you know, obviously this last couple of days, I forget the date, just been a heaviness. Uh, I, I want to address that before I start praying. You know, I was sitting in the back and on my heart, God just dropped something on my heart. You know, it says in the book of Revelation, I've seen every race, every tongue, every tribe before the throne, worshiping the Lamb. And he just dropped something in my heart. You know why John could say every tongue, every tribe, every nation? Because they didn't lose their skin color in heaven. So you don't, everybody just doesn't turn one color in heaven. They didn't lose their skin color. So John saw, I saw a tribe from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, everybody. He didn't lose their skin color. When you became a believer, now I never thought about that. It just hit me. It was like, God, you know, people say God's colorblind. No, he's got his color coordinated. He sees the colors. He sees the colors. God's colorblind. No, he's not. He sees the colors and he made them. And you, we lose our scars. We lose our wounds. We lose, but people don't lose the color of their skin. When you became a believer, and this isn't my message, but I need to address this. Because the church, we have not done a good job. When I say the church, I mean the church as a whole. When you became a believer, you lost your opinion on what you could love and what you can hate. You could no longer say, I love this, I hate this. Jesus, what do you love? I love people. I hate injustice. Then I'm going to love people and hate injustice. It's not enough just to go on a mission trip and love certain tribes, but you hate your neighbor. I was walking into church one day, and there was a, I was late that day. I'm, I'm not usually late. Huh? It was another church in New Mexico, and there was a guy smoking because he waited for everybody to come. He was smoking, and he saw me. He was ashamed. He goes, I'm sorry, brother. I'm still dealing with this. I just walked right past him. I go, don't worry about it, brother. Some sins we see and some we don't. And I, thought, and I walked in, and I thought about the two women that hate each other. I'd rather smoke than hate. So we lost that. You lost the opinion on if they have a different political view, you can hate them. We, so we lost that. So, Father, I thank you today for our nation, God. We lay down our opinion. We lay down, Jesus, we want to love what you love and hate what you hate. You love people and you hate injustice. You love, you love people and you hate wrongs. We cannot say preach the gospel to every, in all creation if we hate them. So I thank you, Jesus, to awake your church, God. It's not enough to just do one event a year and just hug people of different color. Let us love every day, even if they hate us back. We love every day. We send out love, send out love, send out love. God, I'm not just about sending out good thoughts or praying, but we pray to act. It's the book of Acts. It's not the book of React. It's the book of Acts. Amen? Uh, I was scheduled to preach before the quarantine, and I'm going to stick with the same message because the circumstances don't change the Word of God. The Word of God changes circumstances, and people will devalue it if they didn't get their healing or they, their marriage is broken, then they'll try to find a place in the world where they devalue it. And before I start, I want to say something, because I'm going to use a scripture, and it's not what it appears to be. We're going to break it down, because here's the truth. God's Word is infallible. And when I say infallible, I mean it's perfect. It's, there's no wrong. It's His spoken Word. But friends, there is no Bible translation that's infallible. There's not a perfect one. There's no Bible translation. There's some that are better than others. But if you're going to study the Bible, Jesus did not speak in English. Let me just give you, the English is a very limited word. Let me just say, give you an example. It says, looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, right? We can say, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that. That looking is very rare. It's very, it's, I think it's used once or twice. That looking means this, to look away from other things, to look and not only look, to concentrate your focus and attention. Because I can be looking at Pastor Allen and think about what I'm going to eat it later. Uh, the socks I'm missing, you know? So it says we're looking on to Jesus. We're looking on to Jesus. We're looking away from other things, and we're focusing our attention on him. And when we're looking at Jesus, we're looking at what he's saying, what he's thinking, and who he is. Amen? That's just an example. Now, there's Bible translations that agree with what I'm going to preach. And I could cherry pick that. But first I want to say, this is a well-known scripture. But it is not known well. 
And, the days, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. If you look at that, you would assume two things. The kingdom of God is under attack, and violent people take hold of that. Neither one is true. How could that be? Because in the Greek, it can be translated one of two ways. Because when you look at the, at, at the language, sometimes it's not just so simple as it can be many definitions. But how is it used in other verses, and is it congruent with the Bible? Because they can't say Jesus hates this and hates... No, how is it with the rest of the Bible? So that can be translated, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Or it can be translated, and I'm going to make my case for this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful ones are taking hold of it. See, it's a huge difference. Now, how could Jesus say from the days of John the Baptist until now it's been preached, but from, because before John the Baptist, it was all prophecy. But when John the Baptist was preaching it, the king was there. Everything changed. See, the king is about, the, the kingdom of heaven is about the king. It's about Jesus. It's about what he walks, what he says, what he thinks, what he does. It's all about the king. We sang it, all kingdoms will bow down. At the end of the age, the Bible says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. That's both knees, friend, everybody. Not just sinners, that was, that's saints. Some will bow in love, and some will bow in fear. That's both knees. Jesus will be the last one standing. Every kingdom will bow, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, at the end of the age, is the last one standing. Daniel prophesied. Let me give you a prophecy of Daniel. He was, talking to the, he was talking to the king at the time, and, he's, and he's, he gave him these prophecies of this vision he saw. And he goes, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. In the time of those kings, because you had the Medo-Persians, you had the Greeks, and you had the Romans. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. It doesn't sound like a kingdom to me that's being attacked. But it, it will self will endure forever. Now, this is spiritual. This isn't physical. We're not going to go with swords and guns. And How does the kingdom advance? When someone's sick and, you, and they get healed, the kingdom is advancing. When a non-saved gets saved, the kingdom is advancing. When somebody that hates another person all of a sudden forgives and loves, the kingdom is advancing. That's how the kingdom advances. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Why is it forcefully advancing? Because there's forces against it to advance. And it says, this is the meaning of the vision. This is what Daniel says. Of the rock cut out from a mountain, but not by human hands. What's that rock? That rock is Christ. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. That is the kingdom. So how he says during this kingdom. So we had all those kingdoms. Then we had the Romans. Jesus was born under Roman rule. That was the kingdom. He, he was raised under Roman rule. He was crucified by a Roman crucifixion. David prophesied the cru crucifixion hundreds of years before there was actually even a crucifixion. I, I've, I've had testimonies from Jewish people that got saved just on that scripture alone. Amen? So it doesn't mean suffers violence. See, like the King James, you know, people say charity, you know, you know the love chapter. Well, in the King James, it says charity. If, if I went to Pastor Allen and says, I charity you, he's going to be thinking, how much money are you going to give me? And we don't use those words anymore. So we don't look just, we, we can't bring our definitions to the word of God. We have to let it define for us. The kingdom of God is not, is not suffering violence. It doesn't mean there's not violence against people. It doesn't mean that there's not, not martyrs. It doesn't mean there's not defense, that we have shields. Just like in the armor. People will teach about the armor. They get to the shoes and they miss the shoes. Do you know everything in the armor was, you know, about the Romans. Paul was, you know, the shield wrapped in leather to quench the fiery darts and all this. Do you know the shoes on the bottom of the Roman soldier had spikes? Do you know why it had spikes? So it could get leverage. See, we're not called to run. We're not called to just react. We're called to act. God, give us a strategy how to act. So it had leverage because not to run, to hold their ground, to hold their ground. So even the shoes were offensive. 
See, we have an offensive, it's on the offense and it's offensive to people. It's both. It's an offensive kingdom. See, growing up, we had this game called Capture the Flag. I remember my, Capture the Flag, there's two flags. You got to go capture it. You can use paintball or, you know, you tag or whatever. And my team, my team was lame. All they wanted to do was defend the flag. And it was at night, so I'm watching this. And they would come, and we'd get them. They'd come, and we'd get them. That game would go on forever, and so many Christians live that way. This is my flag. I'm going to protect it. This is my comfort zone. But we've got to remember, it's the book of Acts. It's what they did. It's not just what they thought. It's what they did. Friends, you have a book of Acts that's in you. See, when they were doing the book of Acts, they were not reading a book. It was being written, the author and finish of your faith. There's still Acts for you to do, not just to think about, not just to pray, not just to put a map on your wall. There's actually countries for you to do. It's the book of Acts. They just didn't react. And so Pentecost, one of the, one of the words in the Bible for, for Pentecost it was called the harvest, the festival of the harvest. Do you know why? Because it was the early wheat harvest. Why did Pentecost break out and 3,000 got saved? Because when God set up the Pentecost and I want you to bring the early wheat harvest, he already had it planned the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out and over 3,000 were going to get saved. We need another harvest, friends. We need like the, the Jesus movement. When the Jesus movement came, all kinds of people got saved that they didn't think were going to get saved. Hippies, and some of you were even in that. And so there's another generation that's going to get saved. Yes, they have weird hair or piercings or from alternative life styles, but there's a harvest that needs to come. Pentecost just doesn't mean 50. It was a celebration of the wheat harvest. And God says he had celebrations for harvest. Why? Because it's spiritual. See, we have a spiritual king and a spiritual kingdom. We need another harvest, not just two or three or four. In the old days, people say, I'm going to come to church so you get saved. Friends, you can lead him to church at Walmart. You can lead him to God at, at Starbucks. See, you have the Holy Ghost in you. He was released. The Pentecost, you carry Pentecost within you. So the capture of the flag, so I'm sitting there, I go, we're going to be here forever, and then eventually we're going to lose. Some Christians just don't want any trouble to come to their life. They just don't want you to capture their flag. This is what I stand on. This is what I believe. This is, this is my life. Jesus says, go and preach the gospel to all nations. Not defensive, offensive. Cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse lepers. Offense, not defense. First it will preach in Jerusalem. Then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the world. That's offense, not defense. When I look at that scripture, the kingdom of God suffers violence. I, does it, that's not congruent with his word. Jesus said, go. That's offense, not defense. He says, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Offense, not defense. He didn't say, I came to just to protect what remains. Offense, not defense. Jesus came to do something, and he took back what the devil stole. Friends, that's offense, not defense. And we need to change our mentality. I know sometimes when we have troubles or trials, we just want to get through that, but God wants want you to go no I put a lion of the tribe of Judah in you and I want you to know the kingdom of heaven is breaking out and the and the people are grabbing hold of it so there's some things in the kingdom that you do not get through passivity there's some things God just graces with you and experiences he graces with you and other things you must press in for if you just sit there going to church Sunday after Sunday and just listen to this one, this one. No, you need to get alone with him. You need to seek him out. You need to get with God. God, I want everything that you have for me. Paul says, I'm going to grab hold of everything that Christ grabbed hold of for me. Offense, not defense. So when I look at that scripture, suffers violence, I cannot say, oh, the kingdom of God suffers violence. No, the kingdom, I have to go with the translation. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And there are Bible translations that say that. Why? Because you had to pick one or the other. And for the longest time, it's been taught that. It's a hard saying of Jesus, but it doesn't fit. It's, see, and so when you look, people say, oh, I see some, you know, the Bible doesn't make sense. Well, you're using the wrong translation. You're using the same translation. It's not perfect. Let's look in the original. It's perfect. See, there's no error in God. The Bible doesn't say the world is flat. 
People say that, people just say the world is flat. And see, friends, you, we need to carry the word of God so when we speak life over people. And we need to speak life over ourselves. Some of us need to just look at the mirror and just remember prophecies and just rehearse the prophecies and think about everything God says over our life. So what changed? The change, what changed was even in death, Jesus was on the offensive. Even in death. Think of everything Jesus accomplished just on his death. So the king of darkness, there's Jesus. Satan entered, entered Judas because there was an entrance. So Satan wanted to kill Judas, Jesus, so he entered Judas to kill Jesus. That was Satan's thought, Satan's plan. He killed him on the cross. It's, it's done. Satan says, it's finished. And no, Jesus says, no, it is finished. It was a finished over another finished. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, offense, not defense. He wiped out sin, offense, not defense. Everything Jesus did on the cross, he wasn't just protecting himself. If he was just protecting himself, he never would have left heaven. If Jesus was just trying to protect his flag, he never would have left heaven. He didn't leave heaven for himself. He left heaven for you. He left, he set his face like flint to the cross for the joy set before him. What was the joy? People. From every tongue, every race, every nation. It was people. It was not land. If it was land, he wouldn't destroy this earth. There's coming a day when he's going to build a new heaven and a new earth. He did not die for ground. He died for people. When he sends you to a nation, it's for people. It doesn't mean we need to, can't possess the land and take the land and put churches. No, all that's strategic. But he didn't die for land. He died for people. Jesus loves people because he made them and he created them in their image. Not animals, people. People put them on the same level, not God. Don't get that twisted. It doesn't mean we abuse animals. But through his death, it was all offensive. So I can't, I, this, this version does not fit the word. So I had to look in the Greek. And I looked in the Greek, and I saw there's another translation. That's a translation that is right. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing, and forceful ones take hold of it. Because the second part is, and the violent take it by force. There's nowhere in Scripture where violent people that are physically violent possess the word of God. No, it's the humble. It's the childlike. It's the faithful. It's the overcomers. So neither part lines up. It doesn't suffer violence. It's not being attacked. And violent people don't take it. No. Jesus said the childlike. Unless you're like, who's the greatest? See, that's the violent. Who's the greatest? Unless you become like a little child, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. See, boys, you're talking about who's the greatest. I'm just talking about entrance. Who's the greatest? That's man. We're going to take it. Peter and his sword. Put it away. No, it was a spiritual kingdom. But it affects the physical. It affects the physical. See, I go to wars and do missions. Friends, when there's a lot of violence, and so when there's a lot of things like in your home or like if you do a lot of, uh, you know, like a, if, if, if there's a continued sin, it sets up strongholds over nations and countries, and the strongholds have rights. But so I go there on the offenses. I don't go there on the defense. And I speak to the generation, because one of the things God's called me to do is speak to the next generation of developing nations, the youth that are passed up. It can't be every tongue, tribe, and nation if they don't get saved, Cammy. See, he can't, he can't, they can't be before the throne if they don't know him. And we're so blessed. We're so blessed from Bethel and Hillsongs. I, I, I went to, to Warriors and there was a little print shop and there was this girl. She had this, this Bethel stuff on there. And, and it was in Spanish. I go, do you know who that is? She's a believer. believer. She goes, no, I don't know who that is. See, we're waiting for someone else to do our job. No one else is going to do your job. You need to do it. Paul says, I will. He told Timothy, I ran the race. I finished the course. There is a race and a course that Jesus paid for you, and it was paid in blood. Book of Revelation, to him who overcomes. So it's not the violent. It's the humble. It's the meek. And Jesus said, what did he say in the, in the, in the you know, the, uh, his, his sermon on the mount? 
who possesses the kingdom? Look it up. It's not the violent friend. Do your own study. See, this is what happens in our life. See, God always has a winning strategy. God always has a winning strategy. So if we're in circumstances or things against us or things are trying to hold us back or keep you from your purpose, keep you from destiny, and I'm not saying there's not attacks, and I'm not saying, don't, don't get it twisted, I'm not saying when we, we get attacked that we react to those attacks and we pray against it, but that's not, the, that's not the totality of our life. And the devil wants us to focus on just that. Just get through this, and then, and then there'll be another adversity so you can get through that, and you, get another, and you never look up to see what heaven has to say. In 1990, they uh, put up the Hubble telescope, and for the longest time, we had telescopes on Earth, but the problem is light, when it comes to the Earth's atmosphere, it gets distorted. So when we look at stars and different things, even through telescopes, it's not in clarity. So they put the Hubble telescope up, and in 1995, they had some issues with the mirror adjustments, and we're talking billions of dollars, and the first pictures that came back were fuzzy. And it was a disaster, because you spent billions of dollars, so they fixed it. But in 1995, one of the guys, and I'm going to read it to you. Robert Williams was the director of the Hubble Science Institute back in 1995, and it was his decision to attempt a deep-field observation with the telescope. See, before that time, it only looked at things that were known, and that's what we do. We look at things that are known in our life. God, I want more clarity in this situation that I know. Cammy got to work today. Countries you don't even know. So it's time. So it had to go above the atmosphere, and we need to ask God because he's in the heavens and he sees clear. So when that Hubble telescope, and what the, he says, no, I want it to look at just nothing. From earth, they saw nothing, darkness. They go, no, we see stars, and when you're wasting your time, he goes, no, I have temper. I can, I can, I'm the director. 10%, I want it for 100 days. So it started taking snapshots, snapshots, snapshots. And what it came back from nothing on earth, that's what came back. Almost all what you see there are not stars or galaxies. It changed astronomy. And that's our life. We see nothing in our life. Nothing's happening. Nothing's moving. And God says, I want you to come up higher and get my view. And see, and that view, my friends, is like taking a pin, like you buy a shirt, a pin, from arm's length, just the head. It's not a wide view. It's a deep view. And they said 12, over 12 billion light years for 100 days it took a picture, picture, picture. And God wants to give you a picture on your heart of your purpose and your destiny. And those are galaxies, galaxies, not just stars, galaxies. So, Lord, I thank you today for everything you're doing in our life, God. I thank you. You have a spiritual Hubble telescope, God. And it says when there was nothing in black and nothing's going on, nothing good in your life, nothing's going to change. This is the way the nation is. This is the way it is. God, I thank you for an outpouring of Pentecost of souls, God. I thank you for an outpouring of love, God. I thank you for giving a snapshot. It was just 100 days. It wasn't 100 years. It was just 100 days. Take a picture. Take a picture. Take a picture. Take a picture. Galaxies. It changed astronomy. That was called the deep field. It, it, it was so productive. They then they went to the deep field south. It was so productive they took another picture. The Hubble ultra deep from the deep field to the deep field south. So the Hubble ultra deep from glory to glory to glory. God, I thank you for showing snapshots of our life that we press into glory. That we get violent with your promises, God. That we get aggressive to with, with what you spoke God, not against people. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's spiritual, God. But I thank you, Lord, 
Everybody in here that just saw blackness and darkness, God, I mean, the creation, that's everything you see up there is God created. And he's created things for your life, God. From darkness to light, God. They said 12 billion years before you were born, he had a plan for your life. He was writing a book, and that book has the book of Acts, and he's writing it on your heart. And in that heart, you have to get clarity on everything he's speaking, God. So I thank you for every person in here, God. I thank you for them breaking out, God. I thank you for them breaking out. The kingdom of heaven is breaking out, God. I thank you for a breakout in us, the kingdom of heaven in us. We're waiting for that revival or this preacher or this. God, I thank you for the kingdom of heaven breaking out in us. I thank you for every young person and child in here, God. I thank you for their purpose and destiny. I thank you they don't have to wait 50, 60, 70 years to see it. They don't have to wait to prophesy. They don't have to wait wait to lay hands on the sick, God. I thank you for couples in here who have kids and purpose and destiny, God. They will ask you, what's their purpose? What's their destiny? What's, What's everything that they're writing? I thank you, God, that we will ask you. The deep field, deep field south, the Hubble ultra deep. They resisted him, but he made a choice. See, friends, we need to make a choice. From out of nothing, he creates something. He spoke and there was life. God doesn't have to take things that already exist. He can speak and then they exist. He's God. Amen? He's God. And the prophets prophesied until John. See, until John, it was just prophecy. But now from the days of John the Baptist until now, what changed? The king was there. It was no longer just talking about prophecies. no longer just talking about promises. The king was there. See, there come a, must come a time where God doesn't want us to just talk about the prophecies that we had. This is, is, at the end of your life, he just doesn't want a book of prophe- prophecies that never happened, book of promises. I was just recently, I, I, was, I heard this guy, he was 65 years old, and he was getting ready to retire, and he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and everything changed. And his friend says, you changed, you look different. He goes, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and I got recommissioned. I thought I was getting ready to retire, but I got recommissioned. So, Lord, I thank you for a recommissioning today, God, of every person that says, I'm getting ready for this season. God says, no, I want you to get ready for this season. I'm just getting ready for this season. He was, everything changed. Everything changed in a moment, Cam. Everything changed because he got recommissioned. 65 years old, and he was doing what the world said to do because all he could see was that black spot and said, this is what you're supposed to do. But he had an encounter with the king, and when the king came, he brought his kingdom. And his kingdom came, he gave him another picture, and he says, I will was recommissioned. Those are her words. So I thank you, Lord, for a recommissioning of everybody in here, God, over 50, 55. I thank you for a recommissioning, God. I thank you. They said, this is our season. I thank you, God. We lost the right to tell you what season we're in, Jesus, when we got saved. We lost the right to tell you this is how it's going to be. We lost the right to buy a motorhome and just camp at Disney World. We lost that right. Well, we have the right. We lay our rights down when you got saved. And when you lay your rights down, you lay your finances down. You lay your future down. You lay who you're going to marry down. You lay who you're going to live down. It's not a defensive kingdom. Quit trying to protect your flag. I just want to get through this life. I just want to have a good ending. No, God says I want you to have a productive ending, effective. Some of you will be known. Some of you won't, but heaven will know you. See, we want to, who's the greatest? No, Jesus is the greatest. We promote him. We exalt him. All the kingdoms. Daniel said there's coming a kingdom, and in these king's days, it's an everlasting kingdom. A rock not made from human hands. Where did he get that? That rock is Christ. That rock is Christ. He will crush all other kingdoms. Offense, not defense. Go and preach the gospel. Offense, not defense. Lay hands on the sick. Offense, not defense. I cannot subscribe to the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. No, 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 no. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful ones are lay hold of it. 
It's for you. Pentecost was poured out for you. The Holy Spirit was poured out for you. And when they were living their life, friends, it says Jesus died and three days later he rose again. When they were living that life, there was no three days. To them it was over. It was just a black spot because they didn't have a book to read. They didn't have the Gospel of John. They had the Old Testament and it wasn't written, so they had to live it. And so it is with us. He is writing your book. The author's not done. We don't take the pen out of his hand. You don't stop in chapter 6 when there's 12 chapters. So, Father, I thank you. And I don't know anybody, I don't know everybody here, but if you don't know Christ, you can just receive him right in your heart. When he died on the cross, he died for your sins. John, you don't know what I did. No, just compare it to what he did. He died for all sins. See, people like, you don't know how bad I am. That's the problem we focus. It says looking onto Jesus, not looking onto your past. Looking onto Jesus, not the, the wreck of your marriage. We looking onto Jesus, what means focus, attention, and everything he has spoken over our lives. So, Father, I just pray this next week a breaking out in people's hearts. I just pray this week, God, even starting today, a breakout. I thank you for dreams. I thank you some of you are going to prophesy over yourself. I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for re-looking at those areas where you thought there was just nothing, just black. Again, look again. 100 days, snapshots. 12 billion years, light years. They had to go back. It wasn't about a wide, it was about depth. Deep calls onto deep, from glory to glory. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will be it left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. So God, break those things in our life that break your heart. Break the iron in our life and the bronze and the clay and the silver and the gold, things that we have valued, God, but you have not valued. I thank you, Jesus. You are the rock. He's everlasting to everlasting. He changes not. And Before he, you were born, he knew it. So God, I thank you for everything that we've messed up, that we thought have postponed, I mean, I even have decisions in my life. I remember I moved to another state two years out of the will of God. God, I thank you for being the redeemer and redeeming lost time, lost finances, lost focus, lost prayers, lost relationships. God, I thank you. You are the redeemer, and Jesus can redeem it. Amen? So be aware this week. Let God give you that those, in those dark spots. Let God send up his spiritual hubble because the atmosphere of the earth distorted the light, and we sometimes will, our view was distorted. And they said, just point it to things that we know. And he says, no, I want to point it to the unknown. Just, let's just get clarity on what we know. Let's just stick with what we know, what we've always did, the way we've always done the way. He says, no, I want to look at that. 100 days. Changed astronomy forever. And they said, wow, we were wrong. Don't wait till the end of your life to go, I wish I would have got a little more clarity. So we just do it today. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. You guys have a blessed week. Be aware of his breaking out in your life and thoughts that you weren't thinking. You see, that's a, that's a heavenly thought. There's many ways. Amen.